everybody. Welcome to another episode of Read, Watch, Play. I'm Justin. I'm James. And I'm Cleo. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about Fallout 4, uh, developed and produced by Bethesda Softworks. So, post-apocalyptic wastelands, Reagan Gothic. What do, uh, what do you guys think? Well, I mean, the sum, I mean, the sum of the very basic kind of premise of this particular Fallout game, um, your... It takes place in Boston or like post-apocalyptic Boston. They call it the Commonwealth now. Um, So like Boston and surrounding areas in Massachusetts. Um, And it starts out actually, interestingly enough, before the war. Yeah, our first actual look at pre-war like in the Fallout universe as a player. You get like hints in in books and there's like, like audio diaries and stuff. In, in other games, but this is the the first time that we get to see, like, the Fallout universe pre-apocalypse. Yeah, and you're playing, well, you start out, you're one of um, two people in a couple, and with a little baby named Sean, and you have Codsworth, who's your um, Mr. Handy butler, and... Who's a robot. Yeah, who's a robot, of like, a very... I love Codsworth. Me too. <laughs> I have a shirt with a Mr. Handy on it. It's great. Um, with, it's like an ad for a Braxo cleaner. Oh, but, amazing. <laughs> um, and, yeah, basically, like, a guy who's just trying to sign people up for a vault comes by, and then, like, immediately afterwards, that's when, like, the bombs start dropping. You go to this particular vault, and you without spoiling i don't know it's so early on in the game it seems silly to consider yeah, i mean you're spoiler. just explaining the prologue yeah. it's not really you like you go in there into this vault you go into cryo and wake up like 200 years later yep. after the world has been sufficiently post-apocalyptic for a while yeah which is uh to my memory different from at least most of the the previous fallout games certainly different from fallout 3 which is the other big bethesda one um where in that character, in that game, your character was uh, born in the vault? Yeah, born yeah. and raised in the vault, and then... At age 19, you leave the vault to go look for your father, right. who was voiced by Liam Neeson. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's Fallout, yeah, Fallout 3. And in Fallout 4, yeah, you're, um... So you go in with your husband, if, if you play as a woman, or your wife, if you play as a man, and your little baby son. Only your spouse gets killed i mean that's that's such an early on it's not even a spoiler yeah i mean this is the end of the prologue yeah yeah um and your baby gets taken and then you kind of like pass out again and wake up later when you're or you're released out of cryo and you have to go look for your baby son who has been taken god knows where and yeah whereas fallout 3 took place in you know the capital wasteland which is washington dc this took place in boston and it's interesting because i mean none of us are i mean none of us have lived in boston i'm somewhat familiar with it i did grow up in washington dc so having that as a reference for fallout 3 was interesting because some things were very accurate like the dc metro system looked very much like the dc metro system mm-hmm. in the game um and some parts of boston for what i know looked a lot like like the cemeteries for instance look very much like the cemeteries are just kind of around boston yeah uh but what did you guys think about specifically the environment? Does it feel like Bostony to you, or did it feel kind of more generic, wastelandy? Or I mean, I don't really have I don't have that much of a frame of reference for Boston. I do like that this Fallout felt a lot more like vertical than Three and New Vegas did. Um, like the parts when you were actually in the city proper and like around Diamond City, 
and all that stuff, it's like, yeah, you're you're kind of like all of these buildings are around and all of them are occupiable and there are enemies in a lot of them. And there's like there's different like sort of strongholds throughout the like actual urban part of like Boston, the city. And there's a lot of like cool and interesting stuff going on. It felt like more lively to me than than the other fallouts, which I mean might be a positive or a negative depending on who you are, right? Like yeah. post apocalyptic might not need to be lively. It definitely felt like I had more character, I thought. Yeah. Which like, made the, it a little Boston, less bleak, the Commonwealth maybe. feels like Yeah, like a character, right? Like a setting that, that has something behind it, whereas the Capital Wasteland and what was it even called in Mojave yeah. Wasteland. Um, they were just they, they were just like pretty barren settings. Yeah, yeah. Because like they didn't do a lot to pump like life into the Capital Wasteland. It definitely could be that way pretty easily, but it was their first time out, and it was you know I mean at this point what like eight nine years ago. Uh, yeah. Oh, I was looking at this just the other day. Fallout. So it's interesting because we've had five years between this and Bethesda Softworks' previous game, uh, The Elder Scrolls V, uh, Skyrim, which was 11-11-11. But that's actually a longer gap than they usually take. I think that the gap between uh, Skyrim and Fallout 3 was only like three, four years. Fallout 3 came out in 2009, I want to say. Yeah, 2008, 2009. Yeah, so, so we were about two years... Yeah, I think it was early. It was like like winter '09, right? Like January time, or like late, or like Christmas time '08. That sounds. I remember right. playing it in high school. Yeah, I, I certainly remember it. the E3 conference. Yeah, I, I didn't don't. play it until like several years later, and then I got really hooked. Um, yeah, Fallout. It's interesting because if you're the type of person who's like really into Bethesda games, they can be very addictive. But I'm definitely one of those people who will um, play for like many hours a day. Um, for like as several days in a row and we'll start feeling like really, really weird about it. Like the game becomes my reality. Yeah. I mean, do you reality. get like burn out on them, on them pretty quickly when you do it that way? I not really. I mean, like I can, cause the thing about fallout, and I think one of the reasons that and I'm, I might be the person out of all three of us who probably likes fallout the most. I've been every, I mean, for last sure. three times I've come here, I've been wearing fallout yeah. shirts and sweaters. <laughs> I'm wearing my like vault one eleven cardigan right now. Um, but it's like, if you like environment exploration, then this is definitely like, I mean, that's what Bethesda does, right? Skyrim, all the like big Bethesda games are pretty much really heavy storytelling through exploring the environment. Um, and if you're the kind of player that does like to kind of wander around and look at things and kind of like stumble across things without knowing that that's what you're looking for, it's kind of more of the like... The blockbuster experience where you go into blockbusters without – this is back when blockbusters existed. Yeah, um, not knowing a little bit. Yeah, not knowing what you were looking for but stumbling across it anyway as opposed to like going on to like Amazon and specifically looking up the thing that you right. want, right? Yeah. Um, if you're into kind of that browsing thing, then I definitely would recommend Fallout um, or any of the Bethesda games. Um, and story-wise, I mean they're – there's definitely some strong points. I think that this, I think that Fallout Four does a much better job than Fallout Three did with the story. Oh yeah, um, hands down. And but I mean, th- I still don't think that they really compare to Bioware when it comes to storytelling, right? I mean, Bioware is the they're, they're the emperor empress yeah. of storytelling. This kind of storytelling in video games. 
Yeah. Um, but, and it's funny because with Inquisition, they were saying that they wanted to make it a little bit more like a Bethesda game, like Skyrim, where there mm-hmm. is more environment, ex- um, ex- like more exploration involved. Um, and so they incorporated that into Inquisition. Um, and I think that this that Fallout 4 tried to incorporate some Bioware-esque storytelling devices. Yeah, they, you know, they sped up the conversation stuff and made it a little more like guessing the tone of what you're trying to say as opposed to knowing exactly what you're going to say, which pissed off a lot of players. Yeah. I I'll I'll say this though. I um I think that there's kind of an important flip side to what you just said, Cleo, and it's if if you do like those kinds of things, if you like BioWare games, I'm sorry, Bethesda games, you will 100% like this. Um if you don't, this isn't going to be the one that's going to change your mind. Um yeah. which is totally fine, and I, I think I fall much more into that camp. I would say, uh, of the three of us, I'm certainly the one who enjoyed this game the least. Um, I very much respect it. I totally get why people like it. I'm very impressed. I'm glad that I played it. I'm glad that I played it all the way through, because I found a lot of things that I liked a lot that I wouldn't have found if I hadn't played it. Um, but I still came to the same point of I, I, I don't enjoy Bethesda Softworks games. Um, but... I think that you're absolutely right that uh, this tries to do a touch of the Bioware storytelling. Um, And I think that the thing that's really tricky is that a touch of Bioware storytelling in a Bethesda game I don't think works quite as well as a touch of Bethesda openness in a Bioware game. Yeah. Um, I think it's the kind of thing where that, that little bit is... It doesn't fit in quite right. For me, at least, it feels more unfinished which is tricky because it, then it sort of rattles around um you know what i mean it it's i would almost have preferred that that wasn't there at all or that i were playing a a bioware game which was hard for me because the thing that i kept coming around to is that i really liked these other characters that i was interacting with and the stories that i was finding and i think we'll get way more into that later um and i'm really excited to do that actually because i really liked a lot of those stories that i did find but the one thing that I just couldn't stand was my character. Like, I really wished that I was either a character who had some sort of, like, defined past in history as opposed to just sort of a generic person who has... In my case, I since I had played as the, the male of the two, I had some past military experience. We were talking about this earlier, Claire, where you were saying... I guess if you play if you play as the woman, she doesn't have past military experience. No, it's like she went to law school, and because he's the, in the holotape that he leaves for her, it's like you're gonna have to brush off your law degree, and it's gonna be fine, and our future is gonna be great, and like so yeah. they set up a you know a very decent back like very thin yeah backstory for for the two of them, which I thought was really interesting though, because there were several sections where it just comes up in just one of my responses when someone's just like how are you just surviving out here in the post-apocalyptic wasteland? And one of the responses is like, oh, I have military experience, and yeah. that just, like, solves yeah, just the situation. That. I'm really curious if, like, what that option looks like if you're... If how are you surviving out here? I'm a lawyer. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, shit. Oh. Yeah, well, it's interesting because, like, yeah, they there are, like, dialogue options where they're like, are you sure you can take care of yourself on this, like, dangerous mission? And you can say things like, oh, this isn't my first rodeo. But... It, it kind of is, unless law school is very different in the Fallout in the pre-war Fallout universe than I thought it was. Yeah, but so it's that's the big. I think Justin, you put it really well. Where you have this very thin backstory, and I really would have preferred no backstory or a lot of backstory. You know, enough that I could improvise around some core theme that I just had and knew I was going to have all the time. Right. 
or something where it could just be a cipher and I could say, I'm going to define my character as this and respond in this way or behave in this way. Because certainly when I when I sat down to do it, I, I really wanted to play a Western for whatever reason. Um, it was like, oh, I'm just going to make like kind of a man-with-no-name kind of character. Uh, and as uh, as my girlfriend and I were flipping through the faces, we just picked like the second default face because he looked like Clive Owen. And we're like, all right, perfect. We're going to do Clive Owen playing Clint Eastwood playing the man-with-no-name done. That's just what we'll do. We wanted to get into the game. Um, and it was very frustrating when I'd be go- able to go and I'd be like, Oh, hey, like, don't look for too much. Here's this. Are you going to pay me to do this? And, like, I'll, I'll help, but then I'm going to leave and, like, not building relationships. And then I would pick something and you would make, like, a, a dumb dad joke or something <laughs> like that. Where it was just, like, not clear. And just suddenly I would just totally lose the ability to play as the character that I thought I was trying to play as. And that was the thing that was really frustrating because it made it really hard for me to connect with that character in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But there was just enough to remind me that I couldn't do whatever I wanted. Right. Which was weird. But on the other hand, I actually really liked a lot of the stories where I was encountering other people. Where I could say, like, oh, here's, like, Piper. And here's her storyline that I'm going to go through. And I'm going to follow up on her quest line. And this is what's happening to her and her sister and just the storyline that she has. I like that a lot, actually. So it was really kind of frustrating where I really wished that I could do more of that and I could have just been just kind of a nobody mm-hmm. and just focused on, all right, here's what other people are doing in this wasteland that I've just sort of found myself in. But to to roll that back, that was really kind of my, my first big sort of narrative issue with the game. And it was tough because it, it wasn't quite enough to make it not just be another Bethesda game for me. But so I think that that would become the important caveat, and that's if you really do like Bethesda games and those kinds of things, this is an amazing one. Um, if you really do like that sort of wandering around, it, as goofy as it sounds to describe it like this, because obviously the overall chronology is a bit different. But gone home on like a super grand scale, you know, you just want to pick up every like hat box and Christmas duck that you find, right? And just go to town. This is you know, going to let you do that, and then turn those Christmas ducks into laser guns. Man, and they incentivize it so hard. Oh, they I so do. I pick up fucking everything. Well, because now I you have a reason to pick up anything junk. ever. Yeah, it, it's honestly the most useful thing that the companions do in that game is just, like, carry no, all your guns for you. No, you're just your pack meals. Yeah. They say such... There's, some of them are catty about it, too. Oh, yeah. They oh. all are. All of mine are. Like, um, well, Nick's like, do you want me to carry some of that for you? Sometimes, like, some of them will say, like, let me help, and the other ones are oh, like, when you, don't like, let me... open up their inventory, you mean? Yeah, or no, if you pick up too much and you're, like, over-encumbered, they're like, yo... Let me carry some of that. You're gonna, are you, or like, who is it? Someone's like, are you trying to impress someone? I think it's Deacon. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, like, I know. Whenever I pick, up, like, most of the time when I pick up junk, they're like, well, you know, as long as you're the one carrying it, or like, you know, yeah, Deacon's got a good one for that. Where he's just like, come on, at least take the valuable stuff. <laughs> yeah, and it's they all just like make fun of you for picking up junk, and it was like, you, you come back with me to a crafting station and see me turn all this junk into like. A badass laser weapon with, like, a scope, and I don't understand how you can be mad at me anymore. Or, like, a house. Yeah. Oh, my God. Nick says something. He's like, are you building a collection? (laughs) I'm like, yes, I am, Nick. You know me well enough by now. But, yes, I think that was was kind of the big thing for me, is it really comes down to, like, if if that is what you like, it's, this really is a, a really kind of, a really good example of that kind of game. But I, I would say the one big qualification, and mainly because I'd, I'd heard people going back and forth on this, at least for me, 
this is this is not going to be the Fallout game that makes you like Fallout if you already know that you're just sort of lukewarm on it, or if you already know that you're sort of lukewarm on Bethesda Softworks games. Yeah, but if you're like me and bought the Pit Boy edition, so you could have your own Pit Boy, or you're like Cleo and earn own more Fallout merchandise than Todd Howard, <laughs> then this is definitely a game worth picking up. I mean, it's it's funny because like I'm very critical of certain parts of Fallout for sure. Like I wrote a whole paper on like problems with Fallout Three mm-hmm. in grad school for a class about like contemporary storytelling and like contemporary video games. Um, but I feel like that criticism there's a certain kind of criticism that comes out of like loving something a lot yeah like yeah. i'm the kind of person who i my room basically looks like it could be like a wasteland right like i decorated my entire room to look like it could potentially be a fallout like <laughs> settlement room <laughs> right. it's just something and i used to do that throughout college too i'm like does this look post-apocalyptic enough to me <laughs> and the answer luckily was no because honestly if i was like living in something that looked like the shitholes that people live in in the wasteland, I would be in trouble. I just imagine that scene from Pitch Perfect where uh, he goes back to the room and Benji's got like his half of the room just super decked out in Star Wars stuff, and there's a clear line between <laughs> mm-hmm. the two halves, and just the one half is just all black with like the Imperial logos all over. And he's turning, goes, "Is it too much?" <laughs> I mean, I do have like an energy weapons bobble pit, like pit, um, vault dweller boy or pit boy guy like uh, uh, action figure or bobblehead. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. It's pretty good. It's right by my keyboard, so I can just stare at it while I'm playing. <laughs> um, but, and I just, I don't know. I like, there's something that's very, um, the merchandise. You just, you want to, like, we had this thing with Danganronpa also, right? Where it's like, we just wanted to get like, oh, I get want this stuff. so bad. Yeah. And I feel that way about this. Like I have like a Nuka-Cola mug, which I accidentally broke recently and like totally destroyed my heart. <laughs> oh no. I have to like, I'm just, I'm going to try to fix it. It's like, it's beyond fixing, but I'm going to try to anyway, cause it's sold out now. Oh. Um, that was, yeah, rough, but I don't know. It's just, I think part of it. Okay. So part of it for me, the reason I love this game and this franchise so much is that I think it's just, it's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, even though we're looking yeah. at a horrific, like a nuked wasteland right where everything is just like irradiated and awful it's so gorgeous i mean the most okay arguably the most gorgeous thing you can see in this game are the radiation storms that come in they're like these green storms that roll in like you can be anywhere um but like i've I've experienced it in diamond city and also in like red rocket i mean i imagine in diamond city it's particularly it's gorgeous in diamond city yeah and it's terrifying because like you get radiation poisoning if you're standing outside right right? because it's like every time there's like a clap of thunder you're getting irradiated um because the idea is just that these like storms blow in like these green storms blow in and they're just like full of radiation and you're like you're you're like totally fucked if you get caught in one kind of right um, but they're so beautiful and the lighting is just gorgeous. And if you're like in a particularly interesting place when you see it happening, it's just, it's kind of like breathtaking. And I don't know, it's, that's again, like Bethesda does environments very well. Oh, super well. Um, and sometimes like depending on who you're with, like a companion will say something about like the environment if they particularly like a certain location. Right. And it'll be some like McCready, we were in some random, we were some place where there were a bunch of Meyer lurks. And it was like one, it's like a flooded bit of town. And he's like, oh my God, it's beautiful here. And I was like, I was not expecting that coming from you, McCready. <laughs> We're like in some like swampy place. And right. And he's commenting on how like beautiful this Meyerlerk scenery is. You know, he's a marine biologist in a, in a previous life. Was he like the mercenary? Yeah. 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 So it's funny because he was, he was a, t- a 10 year old in Fallout 3. And so I guess this place takes place. He's probably like 22 
oh, or yeah. so now. It's so Fallout Four is set, I think, exactly two hundred years after the bombs fall. Um, yeah. It's like twenty two seventy seven. Yeah, um, I know it's like ten years roughly after Fallout Three. Yeah, place. something like that. Yeah, but. but. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the other thing, right? Is companions are really great, and the, some of them are really great. I mean, they're all interesting. Yeah, I think like, I think they did a really good job crafting a, like a good cast of companions this time around. I agree. Yeah, and that was something that like occasionally in the form in the other games there would be like a handful, like a couple characters, maybe. Or I'm like, that's re- they're really interesting. I'm going to bring them with me. They have a really good storyline, but it kind of left me wanting more. In this game, I I do feel like I kind of wish there was a little bit more with the companions, right? Like, there's certain places where I'm expecting a reaction where I just don't get any. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. once, we're, once we're in t- spoiler territory, we can get into that a lot more. Because I even, there's, like, an instance even in Skyrim that I want to talk about right now. I don't even know if it's fair to spoil something from Skyrim. I mean, it's been a Skyrim while, is right? Old. Skyrim but, is almost five years, like, four and a half years old at this Skyrim point. Skyrim is five years old. Yeah. 11, 11, oh no, yeah, yeah, four and a half. But there's an instance for, in, like, when you're, like, attacking a certain st- town, and I had some, a companion with me in Skyrim who... Mm was from that town and actively like was a guard or like a, who, who protected that it was, it was Farkas or whatever. And he was like from there was very loyal to it, did a lot to like help protect it. And we were with like these other guys who were attacking this town and he was totally okay. He didn't say anything. And I was expecting him to say some kind of comment like this is fucked up. Yo, like we're attacking my hometown. Like, why would you make me do this? Like, can we not? Right. He didn't say anything. There was no like comment. Like, happily murdered all the people he used to protect. Yeah. And I was, and it was just like such a, not uh, I have to bring up the term ludo narrative dissonance. All right, right, all right, Frank Lance. I just, I'm Didn't we come up with another phrase for this? Like, as a community, isn't there another less pretentious? I feel like the really tricky thing with throwing around ludo narrative dissonance is that's while it is indeed a thing, it's also where like everyone who's just done a tiny bit of game studies jumps to that and loves to like whip it out to show that they like know what they're talking about yeah but yeah it's it's absolutely like which is not to say that's any of us but that's i feel like that's, as james looks at me it's like yeah it's her no, i it, point being, like, it, i don't think that that's like necessarily this room but that's been my experience yeah. where it's like it usually okay. that's a warning flag that someone's about to say something who doesn't necessarily know what they're talking about i don't think that's the case here <laughs> but this is just happens to be a really good example of that i feel oh, like where example. like Everything can be flowing just enough, like, story-wise, but then there's, like, one, like, weird thing. Like, you have a companion with you, and you're doing – you're, like, killing someone who they wouldn't be okay. And sometimes it'll be like, oh, like, Nick didn't like that – disliked that. Or, so, like yeah, – That's it. Your your favor with him just went down a little bit. But yeah. you can, like, pick it back up by being nice to somebody else later. But yep. it's, it's interesting because, like, sometimes they'll comment, like, very slightly – when really, if you know, like, this character's values, you know they would be like, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, it feels very gamey. It feels just... it. Nick loved that. Nick, Nick disliked that. You really... It doesn't take long to start reading that as Nick approval plus four. Nick approval minus one. Yeah. Although I do have to say, I do, I do get... I'm very happy when I see the so-and-so loved that. I'm oh, like, yeah. yes, they approve of me! <laughs> I really like the ones where you hit, like, a new level with them, and it's just like... It's like, oh, Deacon adores you. Or like, Deacon, idolizes. Yeah, idolizes. That's like the you. highest yeah. one. And then you get their perk. Yeah. Uh, for, for context for that conversation, ludonarrative dissonance is a term that refers to when the narrative and gameplay of a game diverge in some way and end up not actually syncing up well with each other. Yeah. Usually this comes from when there's something that you need for gameplay or want for gameplay that is fun most often. 
or just is some kind of limitation of how you interact with the system that ends up being very much kind of out of line with the with the narrative that's going on. Um, like one of my favorite examples, just kind of from recently, is the Tomb Raider reboot, where the first time Laura Croft kills somebody, it's this big moment. She's like, oh my God, how could I do that? And then literally in the next five minutes, you murder 20 more people. Yep, and it just, just doesn't matter. Yeah, no. she's fine. Um, but because it's a third-person action game. Yep. Um, but yeah, for, for content, it really kind of big, important thing. I The reason I made the comment earlier is it's usually Game Studies 101, the first topic is this because it's a big common important thing that you see a lot and it's an important thing to be able to talk about yeah, yeah we all studied game design together in case that wasn't yeah an undergrad I unless in case that wasn't evident yeah we, yeah the reason why I, I made the joke about usually that's a warning sign is because we have the context that everyone in this room i think literally has a degree in that yep so <laughs> as a it a certain amount of proof that we know a little bit about what we're talking about yeah we're making fun of ourselves it's fine yeah but, yeah, I mean, but, there's so much I want to talk about, because okay, I was very emotionally invested in this, again, to sure. the point where, like, having dreams about it, unable to, like, function normally after finishing the main storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if we do want to get into things like that, should we... Yeah, I think now is spoiler time. Yeah, so this would be the point to stop listening if you've not played Fallout 4 and are not interested in having story beats spoiled for you. Uh, by and large, we're going to... I think it's mainly going to be story spoilers as opposed to gameplay spoilers, but there might be some of those as well. I know that Fallout is a game where I found a lot of people are way more sensitive about gameplay spoilers than in most other things. Um, a lot of people talking about it's like I, I didn't want to know there were this many bobbleheads, et cetera, et cetera. I wanted to find that on my own. Right. Um, so I would say it's almost certainly going to lean more towards narrative spoilers. However, if you are particularly sensitive about that, I this would this is still going to be the place to to stop listening yeah so we'll be discussing everything from like the main storyline and then plus probably a lot of companion storylines yeah yeah so with that said if this is where you're dropping out uh thank you for listening this long our next episode is going to be our theme episode for this series's theme which was Raygun gothic i'm really excited about that we're going to be getting back to gernsback continuum and radiance and zathura and again bring fallout 4 back for that one and then in the next series, our theme is going to be time travel within one's own life. So for that, look forward to replay for the book and looper for the film and life is strange for the game. So that'll all be in the next series starting not two weeks from now, but two weeks after that with replay. So with that said, break given, spoiler line for Fallout. Ugh, okay, <laughs> that was the whole third act was emotionally devastating for me like there's nothing i feel like there's no possible way you can get through the third act without like if you're a person who's very emotionally involved mm-hmm. to like not be utterly traumatized by it it's definitely rough and just for clarification you're distinguishing third act as being post uh infiltration of the institute yeah so as soon as you get into the institute basically and you find out what happened to sean who sean's become so okay, justin <laughs> so i didn't get to finish the game so we're going to be spoiling stuff for him as well. Yeah, but so it goes. <laughs> so, I mean, just to, to remind you all, since I'm going to just assume that you've played this far, um, as soon as you get into the Institute, you, the first thing you see is 10-year-old Sean, and you interact with him, and he like doesn't know who you are, and he freaks out, and then he shuts down, and fi- you find out he's a synth. Uh, a six-year-old guy walks in, 
60-year-old guy. Yeah, 60, 60, that's not 60, 60-year-old <laughs> guy walks in. He's like, I'm the, I, I'm father. Everyone calls me father because I've created all these sins and I'm the director of the Institute. And like BT dubs, I'm your son. Time was weird. You fell back asleep in cryo and you came out a lot later. The thing you saw where I was like, like that happened a long time ago. And like, I'm like much older than you now, mom. And I'm like the antagonist of this entire game pretty much. unless you choose to side with the Institute. It, so one one quick thing about that, I, you know, by and large, I feel like they did a good job, like going with the story and doing things thematically. As soon as, so I was I was with the railroad, the leader of kind of this kind of anti institute faction, Desdemona, mentions like that the leader of the institute is named Father, and I was like, oh, so he's my son. Got it. <laughs> Understood. Cool. And on one hand, it's just like so poorly hidden at that point. I thought. But props to Bethesda for not dragging that out any longer than that. If it was the kind of thing where it's just like, oh, you found your son. Oh, no, but he's a synth. But here's this other guy who calls himself father. It was like, okay. So if that had, like, taken a few more quests before, it's like, oh, surprise, I'm your son. I was like, no, yeah, I, I knew that. Yeah. I feel like from – I must have missed that when, when Desdemona said something that called him father. I think I didn't know that until I saw him in the Institute. I probably just, like, spaced. Yeah. But as soon as I saw – like ten year old Sean shut down and an old guy walk in. I, that was the point. Yeah, you, I was like, yeah, oh like, fuck. Yeah, great. Yeah. And then, like, and I mean, I didn't. Regardless of what happens, you find out later on that he is sick and dying, and there's like no cure for what he has. So your son, who you've been like spending the entire game looking for, is dying. Um, which is just like an added trauma to the fact that you've like found it, found him, and he's you know sixty years old, uh, and also. Someone who, like, everyone you've talked to so far hates because he's controlling these sins and, like, the Institute kind of sucks. It's been doing, like, shitty things. Yeah. Um, and if you kind of do... I feel like the most morally or, like, the ethically correct thing or faction to side with probably is the Railroad. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's that's a hard thing to say, but I would agree. I mean, especially... I We can get into this later, but I, I think that... um the the part of american history that i think that the institute is meant to represent i think makes me err very much on the side of yeah the railroad are, are the right people here um i don't want to just derail this so I, i'll bring that up later but yeah i i would agree yeah it's just because like i mean they're using synths as like slaves basically and like treating them like they're you're not at all like sentient beings when you've clear like many of your you know many of the people you've met are synths like Nick, my favorite companion, Nick, is a synth. Yep. A very obvious synth. His like jaw is exposed, and it's all like gears and stuff. Yeah, I remember I read before I ran into Nick that Nick was a synth, and I'm like, ah, that sucks. That's probably a huge spoiler. And then I saw Nick for the first time, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's nope. clear, he's clearly oh. a robot. Yeah, Nick is Nick is. Oh my god, I could do a whole episode just talking about Nick. Nick, Nick should get his own game. Yeah. Nick should. I like, would. Can we play just have the... like a Phoenix Wright esque like Nick game? Nick game. Oh my god, just like a noir. Doesn't even need to be fuck Phoenix right ask. It just needs to be an investigation game. You just hard boiled noir synth detective. What if like the the New Vegas analog to Fallout Four is just a Nick about Vegas? Nick. Yeah. Yes. Oh I'm, my god. I'm in. Oh my Fallout god. Nick Vegas. I'm in. <laughs> That's amazing. He changes his name from Nick Valentine to Nick Vegas. Goes off. To, Moves out to so, the Mojave. Oh my god. I just love it. Oh, Bethesda, are you listening? <laughs> we have the best ideas. <laughs> 
But New Vegas? It wasn't Bethesda. It was um, it was Obsidian. 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 Yeah. I, I love New, New Vegas. I loved actually more than three. Yeah, New I'd Vegas say. is my favorite. Um, well, Obsidian's free. They're not doing South Park, the fractured but whole. Aren't they? <laughs> no, I think it's someone else. Okay, they did. I mean, the one of the truth. like head guys at Obsidian has said they're open to doing another Fallout game, despite yeah. the like bonus, the Metacritic bonus, like brouhaha from New Vegas. Yeah, so, that was all nonsense. But uh, yeah, I mean, if they're open to it, Bethesda like Everyone, Bethesda can yeah. see clearly that their fan base's favorite. Fallout game is is New Vegas. Yeah, like, everyone people I know. are very very vocal about it. That's mine. It's you. It's either three or New Vegas. I, very few people seem to put four at the top of their list. I think it comes down to just like when three came out. It for for historical context, there was a huge jump between two and three. Different developers. Two was a like a top down isometric role playing yeah. game, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. Very one and two and tactics and all that was. Yeah, and three is a, um, a first person or third person over the shoulder. Um, kind of shooter game uh, very very different um, yeah three being much more in line with uh, Bethesda's other long-running series the Elder Scrolls so it's either like that jump is a big thing to you or New Vegas where they refine that system into New Vegas is those are usually the the go-tos if I remember it I don't know whether New Vegas or Fallout 4 because I I love New Vegas but I'm trying to think whether I prefer I might prefer Fallout 4 maybe just because I like Nick Valentine so much and I mean you and the environment yeah, it's, it's. I mean, the emotional investment you seem to have in the story is pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, yeah. God, like as soon as you have like a kid involved, and I know a lot of people who play this. I mean, there are plenty of people who play this who aren't parents, right? right. It might not, and I'm I'm, I'm not a parent. <laughs> um, but I mean, there are a lot of kids in my life that I'm kind of like have a caretaker role in their lives as. But um, I don't know. There's something is like as soon as you have like. Any storyline where a kid is in jeopardy, right? I automatically assume, okay, the kid's going to be fine at the end. Like, I just think, I just, that, that's a safe thing to do that most people tend to do. Because it's like, it's kind of like in movies and TV, right? You can have a bad guy, but they're going to be, like, beyond what people are capable of putting up with if they, like, what is it? Like, if they kick, a, if they hurt a dog, they kill a yeah. dog, you're not going to be able to show someone killing a dog or, like, hurting a kid or, like, killing a kid, right? Right. So you which just don't think you it's going to happen. You can't murder children in Bethesda games. Yeah. Which is, oh, God. Speaking of which, I, like, so I was trying to be nice with everyone. I, I maxed out my charisma. I wanted to use diplomacy as much as I could. It's, like, what I always do. Uh-huh. And, of course, there's just no way to keep, there's no way to, like, keep everyone happy at the end. As soon as you side with a faction for, like, real towards the end it's just it's that's it for your relationships with like a bunch of people yeah i think there's i don't think you can get away from those points of no return where you hit a certain point and you it's nice they at least give you like a message on the screen that says continuing with this mission in this way will make you a permanent enemy of this other faction x y z yeah there's no Um, way around it what about your do your companions react to that yeah oh god so my okay so. so i was like especially what's his face hmm the I feel like the guy from the Brotherhood of Steel, Paladin Dance. Yeah, yeah. I never yeah. recruited him as a companion because I don't care about the Brotherhood of Steel at yeah. all. I don't because yeah. I recruited him just because like I wanted to recruit everyone, um, which I didn't because there were some people I just couldn't find. Um, <laughs> like Kate, I don't know where I couldn't find Kate. She's in the uh, combat zone, but I couldn't yeah. find her. I don't know. Like she was just not in the combat zone. I think I might have just. I need to go back. I think I wasn't. I, I was kind of trying to have it happen naturally, and I think I just missed it. Mm, but like same way, whereas like Curie took me a really long time because I just never went to Vault eighty one. Love Vault eighty one. And um, but yeah, that was a great. That was a great part of it. But 
with the Brotherhood of Steel, like I didn't like them. They're there's there's some I they're my least favorite faction. I didn't like them that much in Fallout Three either, even though they were, you know, better. But yeah. there's something there's something a little bit like Nazi esque about them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a very the, the yeah. aesthetic and everything about it. And just hardcore martial law in general, right? They're just like, you know, military might is what should be giving the orders and deciding how we do things. And it's just like, mm, and they're obsessed that, yeah. with like old technology in a way mm-hmm. that kind of reminds me of how like Hitler was obsessed with the occult. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I feel like that's definitely, I mean, someone was thinking about that when they were writing oh, of course, this out. Yeah. And just the whole kind of the thing that's key to their, their, their ideology is the sense that you can't trust anyone else with technology, but we can have as many nukes as we want. Yeah, yeah, no, and we're responsible. Sins, and yeah. they they just want to kill sins. Like, that's it. Yeah, yeah it's their Since very... Sins are an abomination. I I went through all their quest line and saw their ending for uh, for kind of a metagame reward, the, the trophies on the PlayStation Network, but um, just to see what it was like and to get, get those rewards. And yeah, no, I it's, it's very uncomfortable. And just kind of the way that it all works. And one thing that is kind of nice is it's another one of those kind of weird dissonant moments, but the game lets you really mouth off to people without actively like ruining your relationship with that faction. Mm-hmm. So there was an extended mission, um, kind of the terminus of Paladin Dance's quest line, um, where I went through and the, the guy who runs the Brotherhood was talking to me and I was just like, man, you're a real asshole. You know, like you did all these things. I can't believe you did that, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, hey, don't you talk to me like that again. Like insubordination will not be tolerated. Also with Paladin Dance gone, there's a hole in our power structure, and your recent work shows me that you would be ideal to f- like fit into that. <laughs> Congratulations on your promotion, Paladin. And so it's like one of those weird ones, like, okay, yeah, but fine. But so I, but yeah, no, it they're it's an interesting faction to include in the game. But I completely agree. Yeah, they make me very uncomfortable. They make me uncomfortable, but at the same time, it's like, and I didn't like Paladin Dance because he's just constantly making comments about like. How he does it? He just is very narrow-minded, which is hilarious when yeah. you consider later on you find out he's a synth. Spoiler. <laughs> um, That's badass. But though. trying to tiptoe around that one. Yeah, <laughs> that was actually yeah, that was something that I didn't um, I didn't find out through playing because I didn't follow through on Paladin Dance's like quest that I was going to later, and then I wanted to like finish the main story, yeah. and then suddenly, and it was it it just kind of slowly became very gradually very upsetting because. I decided I was going to go with the railroad. Like, I knew at one point, like, I put it off as long as I could, and then I was like, I'm going to, these are the guys I'm going to go with. I'm going to yeah, go with Desdemona course. and Deacon um, and Glory, because they were, I, I thought they were all great characters, and I they also, Deacon. Yeah. yeah. Deacon's great. Deacon's fantastic. And so, there were certain points, there were certain quests where, like, there would be a conflict happening, and you'll have to choose which side to fight on, but no one is hostile towards you. Because you're still sided with everyone. Right. So you just have to start cho- cho- choosing to shoot at people who, who aren't are shooting. shooting at you. Yeah, and the, the first time that happened was when I was shooting Institute Sims, and I, they were still like – I was wondering why. I thought there was a glitch, like no one was shooting at me. Uh-huh. I realized it's because I was still allied with the Institute at the time. I was allied with everyone. Right. Yeah, because you and, can be allied with all of the factions up until a certain point. And so I felt – and it feels shitty to shoot someone who's not going to shoot you back. Yep. Like they were still green. Like you're, no the one one inst- you're the one instigating – the violence, which yeah. normally in Fallout, like, at least you have the clearish conscience thing of, like, well, I didn't shoot anybody who either wasn't already shooting at me or, yeah. like, who I wasn't sneak up, sneaking up on who I know wanted to kill me. Yeah, it yeah. comes up red on your screen. And, right. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, from a non, like, gamified standpoint, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, like, I think it was at Bunker Hill, maybe. Yeah, Bunker where Hill. Where 
no again like no one was every like no one was shooting at me and i had and the and the brotherhood as much as i hated them i would be in like a lot of trouble sometimes out there and then suddenly the brotherhood would like they would just like just show Bert would show up and start like killing a bunch of super mutants and i'm like thank god the you guys are the here brotherhood saved me from death claws yeah oh my god Ugh. and it's just like you develop this idea in your head of like okay i don't like them but like maybe they can change maybe i can like change their <laughs> mind maybe like i don't like maybe something but they're not and you, you if the brotherhood you, of steel is that boyfriend yes <laughs> and yeah basically and if you like i mean i was doing quest for that like i was getting like tech for like scribe what's her face or whatever and you like meet yeah. proctor what's their face yeah. <laughs> you meet people inside the pride win pride win pride win pride win the, the big blimpy like thing yeah, the blimp. zeppelin in the sky and you know, you, you, you're you introduced to everyone and, you know, you might not like what they're doing, but, like, they're friendly enough and you develop a relationship with them. And then suddenly it's like you're shooting these people. And, again, they're not shooting back at you because they're, they're registering it as, like, accidental friendly fire. Um, yeah. Killing people who are not even taking a shot back at me. And it's not until, like, much later when suddenly the, like, Brotherhood, you get a little sign saying, like, okay, now you're enemies with the Brotherhood because you didn't, like, do such and such thing. Right. And now everybody's hostile. And then, so for me, like, since I started with the railroad, one of the things I had to do was go into the Pridwin, the Pride, whatever the fuck that thing is called, the big uh-huh. Zeppelin in the sky, and kill everyone. And, like, yeah. one of the options, if you hadn't, if they didn't know you, if you hadn't tried to join the Brotherhood before, then you can kind of disguise yourself as one of them, I think, and sneak through with okay. Deacon, because Deacon does his little, like, sneaky thing, and he's dressed sure. up as, like, a Brotherhood, like, whatever. Can I just say how much they, how much I love they integrated that into him as a companion? Yeah, like oh we would God. get into a fight. Like I would look at him, and he would be dressed however he is with whatever hair he has, and then we would get into a fight, and I would turn around, and it would be different. Yeah, yeah. And it just happened constantly, and I just everywhere we went, like suddenly he was bald, suddenly he was wearing different clothes. I'm like, where are you carrying all these clothes? Like, I yeah, just are not in your thing. inventory. Dude. <laughs> like, I would love to go into his inventory and just be like, I'll take those. Yeah, and I'll take those. And then at one point towards the end, like at a very serious moment, like I told him to get out of the power armor. And he had no clothes underneath. He was going around in like tidy whities. I was like, Deacon, you've got to put clothes. And the only thing I had spare was like a tuxedo. So I was like, you're going to wear this tuxedo instead of these tidy whities. But yeah, going into the, you know, the Pridwin and having to shoot everyone because they recognized me. Yeah. Shooting people who like I had like bartered with, people who I'd done quests for. And I had a, you know, I just had to wipe out everybody on board before exploding the place. And it was creepy because we're talking about kids can't be killed in these games, right? There was like a few like young like kid like scribes. They were hanging around. Close. Yeah, there's at least one associated with every faction, and in, no matter what ending you go for, you need to go into the base of at least one of the other factions and, and kill everyone who's yeah. there. And there's at least one like young person in every faction. Never like a kid, kid, but definitely like drummer boy or yeah. like, sure like like apprentice scribe whatever and yeah there's one in every single one and it's once you get to that end you realize it's like oh no it's because no matter what ending you pick they make you like kill everyone no, i had spaces. there were kid yeah. kids in the brotherhood who were like they i couldn't kill them so they weren't hostile they mm-hmm. were just standing there not registering the fact that i had slaughtered like everyone they knew in front yeah. of them but there was i had some bug issue with a conversation with one of them afterwards where it was just totally glitching out because they couldn't like they just couldn't comprehend. I don't think that was a glitch. I think that that <laughs> child just could not comprehend what they had just seen. It's so hard to tell in Bethesda games. I mean, like I, <laughs> I respect them in a lot of ways, and I understand. Like I appreciate a lot of the bugs, but man, I lost, I lost like a pretty solid amount of time to like reloading saves because it's just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that NPC who you need to be down here, she's in a wall. 
I had that problem. Nick fell off a building once by accident. It was the one where like you have to get the rich the guy the like from the top of the apartment oh, yeah. from the yeah, super yeah. mutants and Nick and you have to go on like an elevator lift and Nick fell off that thing and hit the ground and when I w- went back down to get him like there wasn't an option to stim pack him because we weren't in combat but he couldn't get off off the ground he was like it was just he was stuck he was stuck and I couldn't like he wouldn't come in so I had to redo the entire thing to like an old save because yeah. he had just been crippled on the ground and couldn't move. PC Master Race. <laughs> this is what I like. Honestly, I mean, mods aside, all everything else aside, missing companions, people stuck in walls, people that are just gone, like, console commands are the fucking greatest. Yeah, that was the gist that I got. I definitely felt like I was getting a lesser experience because I was playing on a PlayStation as opposed to a PC. Cause was like, I. Oh, yeah. You know, there's going to be all kinds of stuff where you're just going to get stuck in a wall and your last save is going to be 25 minutes ago because there's no... As far as there's no real discernible rhyme or reason, as far as I can tell, to when it autosaves. And if you forget to quick save just every so often, which it's just important not to forget. Yeah. But those autosaves will just be like, oh, yeah, you opened your Pip Boy, autosave. And yep. then I was like, oh, yeah, there must have been an autosave in the last half hour. <laughs> nope. nope. And then sometimes. Fast traveled? Nope. Started a mission? Nope. Did. I don't. Leveled up? Nope. Yeah. It's bizarre. And it's weird. Sometimes quick save and auto save can be your enemy because, like, on the Prid one, when I was in that final, I was killing like Elder Maxim. Um, it like it, it auto saved right when I was jumping down from a ladder. But as oh, soon yeah. as and you know how like the action starts before the screen goes from I black? know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Same thing happened to me. And like I, I kept dying before the like the before like the screen go light, so I just had to keep mashing like the circle button to get the Pip Boy to come up, so I would have like a second to yeah. like get my shit together. But I was in an endless loop of death that I Ugh. barely got out of. It was just, like, the stupidest that, save issue. The worst part is I don't even think that that's, like, it – I think that that's – if not by design, that the exact same thing happened to me. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's because they are supposed like, standing there waiting for you to come down the ladder. Yeah. But with the way that that save works, yeah, you have to reload the – I just reloaded a quick save from way before earlier on that top deck and then healed all the way up and, like, changed my armor and shit. It's one of the most frustrating single moments where I went through. And I was like, yeah, this isn't just because, like, I walked weird on a rock. This is something that I think was intended to be difficult and is difficult in a way that is not fun. Yeah. yeah. God, everything yeah. with the – I mean, even much, again, as much as I hated the Brotherhood, like, as soon as I went back to Red Rocket after I got the little announcement saying I'm enemies with – Brotherhood. Yeah. I wanted to talk to Dance. I thought it was going to be like difficult conversation where he's going to storm off. Yeah. If I can like persuade him into like you yeah. know do like a high speech check or whatever. We just played too and many Bioware games. I got yeah. yeah. I got there and he started shooting at me immediately and I was like oh fuck like, I don't have an option. I didn't want to shoot him. I didn't like yeah. him, but I didn't want to kill him. But that's the kind of thing like like that's the kind of thing where why wouldn't you code in a conversation like he's your companion? You just did this whole thing. You code in a conversation where at the end he can only turn hostile. Like, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Or at the end, he, there's the option where he's like, fuck this, I'm out. And yeah. walks away, yeah. but you don't have to fight. And maybe, like, like, maybe if I had, I don't think, even though if I had finished this quest, I don't think I would have had that option. No, probably I not. Uh, it depends. I don't know that you would have been able to talk to him, but it, at the end of his quest, one of the options is he just, like, leaves the Commonwealth forever. Okay, so um, that's, like, if that's the best ending, yeah. then... But, like, yeah, he, like, and so Deacon was my companion. Everyone started shooting at him because he was, like, trying to kill me. And his, like, last word as he's dying is, Sister! And then he dies because he was, like, he's, like, a devastated sister! Because everyone called themselves brothers and sisters, right, 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 the Brotherhood. And then he dies, and Deacon says something like, Asshole, you don't try to kill your friends. And... It was just like, and you're just like sobbing. Yeah, I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> guys, like, can we talk about this? Like, he just, like, I didn't want to kill him, but there was no other option. 
Yeah. Like, there was just nothing. Like, he tried to kill me first. And then he has to go and act all pathetic about it. <laughs> saying, calling me sister. Because like, he had put so much faith in, like, me rising up in the ranks. Right. Uh, and then, can we also talk about how we can't, again, like, criticism coming from a place where I love this game so much. How you can't mention to anyone as soon as you find out that Sean is the director of the Institute. Like, the first yeah, thing I emotionally want to do valuable. Is, like, tell Nick. Yeah, tell right? Nick. Nick tell would know Piper. what to do. Tell fucking Desdemona. Yeah. Tell just Deacon. Be like, like, guys, I some weird shit just happened and we need to talk about it. Like that should be there should be a moment where you gather like most of the important people to the storyline so far and be and like, be Hey like, guys, I got some news. You know that kid I've been looking for? Because yeah. no one asks about him again after oh, yeah. that. They They're all just, just like, stop. Nobody yeah. cares. Like, Nick, you could have a conversation with Nick afterwards where he's, like, really proud of you for, like, blowing up the Institute. And I'm like, yeah, did you know that uh, that was my son? <laughs> that, like, you've been trying to help me find? That, like, I hired you originally to help me, like, find? Right. That did you ever? have Nick with you when you broke into the Institute? I had Deacon. Because I did Deacon for most of Act 3 because I was doing Railroad, so I figured it made, like, narrative sense. sense. Yeah. Nick uh, was with me for almost everything else. Nick and McCready. That's and- kind of what it's been for me. I've had Deacon with me since I got him. I think I want to take Nick with me into the Institute. And you Hart, you can't? No. Whenever you uh, go into the Institute, you leave your companion behind. Oh, which okay. is really nice, actually, as, as like, gameplay aside. Um, almost all of your companions disapprove of anything that you do that helps the Institute. So Makes it means sense. you can go in and have these conversations yeah. with the Institute without uh, hurting Just your standing. Your, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's only at the very end where you bring someone in with you. Yeah, at the very end when you're like going into to blow it up. But, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, it would like you, it would make it would be cool if you could have a companion with you and they have that moment of revelation, like yeah, with you, on, right? Yeah. And like, yeah. of course, I would take Nick because Nick is the one who's like of everybody. Nick is like, yeah, we're gonna find your son. Like, this is important. Yeah, he's the only one who seems yeah. to really care. Yeah, yeah, and, they really. And then he that. just stops caring. Well, like no one asks again, like because everyone knows you're looking for your son. No one asks. Like then suddenly you have little synth baby Sean because then you get ten year old synth Sean gets reprogrammed to believe okay. that you're his mom again. And so you have – which is kind of harder, like, emotionally for me. It's like, okay, your real son dies at the end. He gets ex- – if you explode the Institute, then he dies in the explosion. He's so disappointed in you because he, had, like, named you, like, the new director. Uh, he dies even if you side with the Institute because he's dying of super cancer. Yeah. Right. So his super – I would assume his super cancer probably gets yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. So he – yeah, but yeah, that's either way, the, he, the last quest in the Institute version is just talk to Sean. Yeah. And then he dies of super cancer. Yeah, so either way he's going to die. One way you actually directly kill him by, yeah. like, you know, making him explode. And then you're left with, he leaves you with um, Synth, 10-year-old Synth Sean, who is, is he going to stay 10 forever? Is this, like, AI? Yeah, I don't know how Synth's Yeah, I mean, age. I don't, do Synth's age? They're, like, half organic, right? They're certainly partially organic, but, yeah. I mean, we can see from, like, Nick that they certainly have, like, a metal-like skeleton. That metal's not going to grow. But I wonder if, like, Nick is a prototype. Like, I wonder if oh, the other true. synths have, like, organic, like, they're, like, you know, brains are synthetic and maybe they're, you know, they yeah. don't have blood and their organs are synthetic and however all that works. But, like, how organic are they? Can they yeah. grow in age? I don't know. But I'm interested because, like, the last, where I left the game, I haven't played a whole lot since finishing the main story, was, like, 10-year-old since Sean was like, can I get, can you get me an alarm clock when you're out there wandering the wasteland? Because I want to build you something. And I'm like, this is so weird. My real son is dead. You <laughs> think you're like a robot this baby. Is, I, yeah, that, no, that would be difficult for me. Just, <laughs> like a narrative standpoint. Like, uh, I was yeah. real unhappy. I just wanted to tell, and also, like, do you guys romance anyone by any chance? Uh, not necessarily romance. I did get to the, the highest, like, 
it, it sounds awful saying this. I one of the unfortunate things about some games where you have this really. I got I advanced my relationship with Piper to the highest level, but <laughs> but it stayed platonic throughout. Um, I definitely like flirted with her a couple times, but one of my big things in it was uh, I was committed to my character not forming romantic relationships. Um, and actually, that's some one of the things that I really liked about at least Piper's storyline is that it's not like it's not a weird platonic at the end. Like in a lot of uh, Bioware games, as much as I like them, uh, generally when you have a relationship with someone who would be like romanceable, if they're not, it's weird. It, yeah, or even if it's just say if they are romanceable and you opt not to they get like disappointed right or it's just like oh oh yeah we can be friends sure and you get the impression that there's like a like a sad scene after that involving exactly, like them yeah. in the shower um, <laughs> as opposed to like the fun scenes with them in the shower in mass effect right um but so it's the kind of thing where you kind of get that vibe and you almost feel bad about this in this it definitely seemed like kind of like i at no point did i get the impression that throughout this thing with piper i was just like super charming and she was madly in love with me and i was just like no i'm still mourning my wife and she's just like oh but i love you and it's you know but i guess we can be friends like it was very much just like a hey thanks for helping with that stuff for my sister like i really like hanging out with you like i'm glad that we can like go out and adventure together this is good i like this the way it is yeah and maybe that will end someday and that's all fine and it never felt like this missed romance it felt like just yeah we're just we're just buddies because that's the, I mean that's the thing I feel like in so many games where if there is a character that is romanceable, mm. it's built around like your relationship getting to a certain level. The whole point is to romance that character. Yeah, and so it's not like it's this binary thing where just like once your relationship with them crosses a certain threshold, time for romance. Yeah, in which you have to either say like, yes we should be together or no we should not, and then that determines the dynamic. Whereas. Like, having the ability to max out a relationship without that being there at all. Yeah. It's so fresh. It's really nice. Like, yeah. I just, it's like, I feel like it hasn't been done before. I think Dragon Age Inquisition does do at least some of it. Um, but it's very dependent, I think, upon you advancing your relationship in a very specific way. I think it's a lot. Yeah, you have to, like, very specifically avoid being flirtatious in any way, right? And right. Like, so you can still do it, but you have to work to do it as opposed to working to say, no, I want this to go in a romantic direction. Right. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, yeah, it was, I completely agree. I liked that a lot about it. Yeah. Cause also like, I don't know. I feel like not enough emphasis often is placed when you do, you do have an option for a romantic relationship. Not enough emphasis is placed on the friendships you're also trying to build with other yeah. characters. Right. Yeah. And like, I know a lot of people want Nick to be romanceable, but I was just so happy with Nick just being like my best friend. Yeah, because I just I've, I'm a big film noir fan, and he just like cause he's like a film noirish. He's like a synth film noir like, detective. He yeah, reminds me of a little bit of like a little bit of Robert Mitchum. Yep, a little bit of you know like oh god, he's just he's so. Good. But without being like a lot of like those film noir detectives are dicks. He's like not <laughs> no pun intended dick. <laughs> 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 but he's like he's a he's a genuinely good guy. He's not like an anti-hero really. He's like genuinely yeah. a hero and it's just he's a well-written character and he's really interesting. Yeah. Um and he I mean, he always god like the first time you see I think the uh the big the Pridwin in the air in the sky after you uh -huh. come out of a certain quest with Nick. Nick recites a stanza I think from uh, Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. 
And I, that, that was the moment where I was like, Nick, I love you. We're going to be best friends forever. <laughs> <laughs> that was so, like, it was just so dramatic and well-timed and, like, perfect. And it was, like, nighttime and this huge, horrible thing was in the sky. And it was, like, the first time we really had a chance to really talk about the Brotherhood at all. Right. Mm. Oh, it's so good. But, yeah, who were your favorite <laughs> companions other than who we've been discussing so far? <sighs> I don't know. I like Strong. I didn't get he it. wants um, milk of human kindness. Yeah, I didn't do any of his companion stuff, so I don't actually I know where that goes. But, I, I mean, unlocking him was fun, and, like, having him around is kind of fun. One of the only things that I hate is that uh, one of the things that he dislikes is lockpicking. Ooh. Yeah, I always <laughs> traveled with the people who liked lockpicking. Yeah. I don't even – it's not even about, like – pe- neutral. That's the thing. It's, like, I love having a strong around because he's, like – he's a huge tank – he can take all kinds of damage, and he just runs in with a super strong melee weapon and just, like, one or two hits, like, most enemies. Mm. It's super fun and really convenient, and it, it allows you to be the, like, ranged kind of player that you kind of need to be in Fallout. Yeah. Because instead of having enemies, like, swarming you, they're kind of swarming him, and you can pick them off. And so it, I, I like being able to have that dynamic. Um, and what he, what he said would be funny, but I lockpick everything. Yeah. I open safes, I open doors, I do everything that can be, like, you know, I, I stick my bobby pin in every hole I can find. Pretty much. <laughs> and it fucking, and he hated all of it. Yeah. And it was so frustrating, because yeah. I think my relationship, like, never really advanced with him because I lockpicked everything. Yeah. yeah, that's rough. Yeah. I had a hard time with McCready, because he's a weird one. It's hard to tell what he likes and dislikes, even when you look at a list <laughs> what he likes. Because he doesn't like you to be, like, generous or nice, but he also doesn't like you to be a dick. He likes it when you lockpick stuff and when you steal things. So I, I stole so much useless stuff from <laughs> the the bar, Third Rail, and Good Neighbor. Uh-huh. Like, there was, like, that back room where no one could really no see one can you. No see you, yeah. And he's like, it's ours now! <laughs> the only point when I got to, like, so-and-so hates that or hated that was when I, like, I failed some kind of – I was trying to lockpick something. No. And I got caught and we got, like, exploded. And it said, like, McCready hated that, so I had to go back to an older safe. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I hated that too, McCready. Shut up. What are you doing to help? I think one of my favorite moments was uh, finding out that Piper hated you stealing things. Because yeah. I went into the mayor's office, and, like, I did everything that I thought I could do to get those fucking keys to Kellogg's place. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm, I'm, I'm picking your safe. I think I, yeah, I lockpicked the safe and just took the keys. And it was like Piper hated that. And I was like, wait, no, I, oh, God. And then I reloaded my save, and I think I bribed the secretary or whatever. Mm. Yeah, as far as the whole just, like, loved, hated, et cetera thing, it was kind of tricky for me because I hit a point with just the way that I was playing where I I was traveling with Piper at first and maxed out that relationship, and that was all nice. But, um, and after that I did a lot, like, with Deacon because he, he seemed pretty cool, and just I, I knew that he liked lockpicking as well, and I wanted to see what another character's, like, uh, end of their relationship tree looked like. Right. And I figured like, oh, I can get, I can chip away at him in the same way. But it, it gets really difficult once you start doing Institute quests because everybody hates everything in those. So I hit the point where I was just traveling with dog meat again. Cause I was just like, right. oh, you won't judge me. <laughs> you love me unconditionally. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, I kind of wish you could have had dog meat and a human companion. Yeah. Like I wish you could have had dog meat with you all the time and yeah. then chosen to have another companion. Yeah. Like in Skyrim. Cause I, I had two dogs in Skyrim. Cause you could, if one of them is Barbas, you can just keep them, you know, you're supposed to finish his quest. Yeah. And I mean, I think in, in three and new Vegas, you could have two companions, right? Like that was just the thing. 
Maybe just in three. But I swear I remember having two companions. I don't yeah, remember if it was two so. companions or if it was a dog. Or it was like a dog, dog and a dog companion. Meat doesn't yeah. Count. yeah. Yeah. And that was the thing. And I was like, I wish that still happened, yeah. basically. That would have been nice. Especially because, as we've all been saying, I think that the companion stories are all really good. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Dogmeat just doesn't have one, which makes sense because he's a goddamn dog. Um, like, I, I would have loved it if there was just like a, just every so often, it was like, Dogmeat loved that. <laughs> it was like, Dogmeat loves you unconditionally because he's a dog. Yeah. Just like, and just at a certain point, he like barks at you and you can go over and talk and you're just like, what's going on, boy? And just be like, bark, bark, bark. And <laughs> something like that. Like, that would have been cute or funny or something like that, right? But... Just the companions all have really good stories, and it's kind of tough just to have a companion option who doesn't. Yeah. Especially when it's one who's just, like, kind of nice otherwise, et cetera. But, yeah, it would have been really nice if you could do both. And I kind of get it, but I don't know. I wanted both very badly because I want. I'm sure there will be a mod. Oh, yeah, but. We're on PS4. <laughs> you bastards. Oh, but okay, one thing I wanted to know about how you guys were playing was – well, generally, how did you feel about settlements and kind of crafting and that whole, like, I, can... I like, barely touched it. Settlements, not at all, except for the fact that you need to get a large settlement to 100% happiness for a trophy. Yeah. James, so I worked on that. James only cares about trophies. That's true. I, in a game like this, 100%. Um, but, but, yeah, crafting, I... Crafting, though, I did a lot of. I did a little bit of crafting. I, I experimented with, like, Sanctuary Hills a bunch in the beginning, and I like even like built a prefab house that was mine, and I decorated it, and I you know put furniture in there and all that, and I like barely go in there. Yeah. yeah. And like I saw, I mean, I would read stuff about like these in crazy, incredible settlements and like buildings and stuff that people would put together. And this guy showed off like a basically a skyscraper that he made, and he's like, yeah. And the first floor has like a kitchen and all this stuff, and my and my crafting stations, and then like the second floor is my power armor storage, and then the, yeah. And I was like, man, that looks cool. I want to build that. And then I would start looking at like like all the stuff in the crafting menu and all that. And I was just like, Nope. Nope. I'm not going to bother with this. Yeah. And I was talking to someone who did, who does a bit more of that. And he's just like, Oh yeah. You know, it's like the door is like skinned wrong. So like the, the walls only will snap into it correctly, but it'll have the interior skin on the outside. But it's not a big deal. Cause in order to fix that, all you have to do is this 20 step process that involves like setting it, deleting it, turning things on and off. And I was like, I had, I understand that you think what you just said to me, is like a pretty straightforward process to make the door look right. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm never going to do any of that. Yeah. No. Because one, I barely care enough to make the, try and make the house in the first place. But two, as soon as you introduce, oh yeah, the door is skinned wrong, but here's something you can do to fix that. That's already more like my bar for when I was going to bounce out of that settlement system was pretty low. Yep. Which is a shame because it seems genuinely pretty cool. Like I was really impressed with it when they showed those early videos. Yeah. It's it's a very robust system. I, I think clearly you put it really well before we recorded. Where some of what's weird is you're going around, you're playing this first person shooter, and then suddenly it asks you to like play Minecraft for a yeah. while. Yep. And I think that part of why that's a really good way of putting it is it's it's very robust. It really does feel like man, here's this huge system that I could totally sink like 20 hours into to make this city look just the way I want it to, and it just ends up being like yeah, but. I really don't want to do a whole city builder right now. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, a part of it for me, the only reason I wanted to like get settlements and do stuff was to create a money making machine. Yeah. Where I could just like make as many mute fruit plants as I could. Yeah. And just, just harvest the shit out of that. Cause mute fruit sells for good money. Yeah. And so like, if you have like five settlements with 
enough with like a small field of moot fruit, moot fruit plants, then you can like just clean up yeah. and make a bunch of caps by gathering them and delivering them to like Diamond City. Yeah. But I didn't even go that far. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't be, I could not be ours to do that. Yeah. What about like favorite locations for you guys? I mean, Diamond City is really fun. Diamond City. I like Fenway. Yeah. I, just the fact it, what, like the way that that all played out, like when you, when you find out that it's Fenway and the diamond is a baseball diamond, like I thought that was a really cool moment. I liked that a lot. Yeah. I liked the, uh, I I mean, in terms of just like NP, like the charm of Diamond City, there's the, the NPC, the, the baseball NPC who has no idea what baseball actually was. And he was like, yeah, you know, they use these bats to kill each other and. Yeah, and yeah. just like the whole thing, and he sent you on that quest to get like a card and a ball and a glove, and yeah, yeah, I was I was into that guy. Yeah, I'd say beyond that, um, I think the castle was kind of neat. I didn't do a lot there, but I did have like a fun one of those like kind of emergent moments that I think are the things like the stories that I, a lot of the stories that I think are really cool in Fallout are those ones that sort of just happen to you. Yeah. But um, in the in the quest for re- retaking the castle for the Minutemen. You have to fight this Mirelark Queen. It's this giant, like, crab monster. And um, I just couldn't kill her. I was way underleveled. I, by no means should I have gotten this far in this quest to begin with. Right. But I was stubborn, and it was late at night, and I was determined to get it. So I went, and I eventually found out how you can do it. And it's that Mirelarks are uh, very weak to damage from below, but mm-hmm. resistant everywhere else because they've got shells. Yeah, it's like below and then their face. Yeah, exactly. So what I did was I took every single mine I had and I put them all kind of at the shore where she comes up out of the water. And then I uh, I did the thing that triggers her coming out. And so she comes out. I've been fighting her for like an hour. have been able to kill her. Totally, totally stuck. And she just walks, 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 walks up, hits my like 20 mines dies and just flies halfway across the commonwealth (laughs) so i went and i redid it with fewer so i could go and get the stuff from her right but oh my god though like it just i don't like care much about like the rest of the castle as a location but just as the place where that moment happened that was pretty great right it becomes a you know it holds a special place in your heart now because of that story she just like scuttles up and like the best part was like the first mine went off like prematurely like before she i was like oh shit it didn't work like i guess it triggered i was like, like oh damn and then just this huge explosion, and she just goes. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like in Christmas Vacation, right? Where it's just like kind of fizzles, and then the lights come on. Uh-huh. Or like in uh, the the Dark Knight, when Joker's like walking away from the hospital, and he thinks that the detonator didn't work. Right. <laughs> Basically the same scene. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so that that one was a good one. Did you have any favorite locations, Cleo? I really, I have family in the haunt, and I spent some time there like a few months ago um for actually a, my great aunt's funeral but um yeah but it was nice to see family not <laughs> it was nice to see like the whole like clan the family clan there and i like spent time there as a kid and it's always fun like when you see a, like a replica of somewhere you know in a game even if it's not like super loyal to how it really is i mean, given yeah. this is like sci-fi wasteland version of it right but i mean it is a very like seashore is an important part of that area and so seeing that and the whole like i think libertalia is what it's called right like the raiders settlement it's like just like you know all those boats out there and it's like mm-hmm. filled with raiders 
and the fact that that's like what Nahant is, it's just like made me laugh because Nahant's like a charming, peaceful little like right. place where everyone has like a really strong Boston accent. It's <laughs> it was that, that was like I spent a lot of time. There's like a there's a settlement you can have there, like Croup Manor, right? Oh, cool. Okay. And um, so as soon as I found that, I was like, yeah, this is this is it. This, this is, is home base. <laughs> this is home, except for it's filled with ghouls still. <laughs> But so yeah, before we wrap up, the uh, the location that I wanted to mention is just the institute itself, because I think that it plays into one of the things that I really liked most about the game. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but the fact that I think that the the institute is a really great analog to just like pre-abolition American South, and it's the kind of thing where you don't. I think they do a really good job of doing a very slow build to it. Because you have this sense, it, you build up immediately, there's this sense of wariness about synths and that they're maybe like replacing people and they're spies for the Institute, etc. And you understand why people think that they're bad. And then you have the sense of the Institute's bad because they do these experiments and there are these other things. But then as you get there and you realize and you go, you go down into the Institute and you find that it's this kind of shiny and clean. It's a stark contrast to the Commonwealth that's above it. But it's also and it's also just pristine. And then as you go and you see it's all very nice, but then you see that the whole thing is built upon synth labor, and it's just very much built on the backs of these these synths who you over the previous parts of the game have you've had some experience with them as being like potentially not totally human, as like maybe just being spies for the institute. Right. But then you also have experiences with people like Nick, who are clearly their own person. And this is that, okay, so synths could be just, say, like a person. And then as you go, and especially as you investigate the railroad more, and you make the connection between that and the Underground Railroad, and that they're trying to free runaway synths from who have escaped from the Institute. And as it goes and goes and goes, and you see that it's that same idea of you have this, like, antebellum South, and everything is big and nice and plantations and this very kind of sense of royalty, but all of that is built upon treating people who you can then see are totally human beings as somehow less than human, mainly labor, who just have to do what you tell them, things like that. And I think it's a really good slow burn reveal. Just characters will start throwing words like being like a master of the sense into the mix. Um, every so often the word slave will come up in conversation. Mm-hmm. I think even just, like, the way that Father looks, he's kind of got, like, the, the white lab coat, and he's got, like, the white beard and hair. Like, it, he looks very much like a southern gentleman right? in in some ways. it. I think that they do, like, a really good slow burn reveal, and it's the kind of thing where it, it would have been really easy to kind of take a, a lazy way out here, and I don't think that they did, and I think that that comes together really nicely. I think that it also does a really interesting job of kind of before that when you hear people talking about anxiety about synths or saying that they don't serve synths here at some of the stores or restaurants in diamond city that has one context because you know that they're worried about them because they might like work for the institute or want to kill everybody and then afterwards you have this like oh yeah humans only no synths it i feel like it ends up meaning something very different it's a kind of a weird shift to being like oh they might be spies etc to sort of just like a pre-civil rights america yeah. and i think that they do a really 
good job with that. I think it's really cool. It's not the first thing that I feel like you jump to when you think Boston. Sure. Um, which I think helps it a lot. I think it would have been much easier to say to do something like that in Fallout 3 where you're in DC, which is obviously further south and things like that. Or if, say, this were set in, like, Georgia. Like, that, yeah. like the really kind of bang you over the head there's going to be something. Because that's one of the things that I always thought was really cool about the Fallout games is their ties to American history. Right. And I think that this is really one of the one of the cooler ones that I've seen or heard about. Again, I've not played three extensively, but I think that there's a pretty pretty clear reason why I mean not only it's it's set in America for narrative reasons, but I think also thematic ones as well for and it they really embrace that. And I always think that that's a really cool thing. And I again I don't think it's an accident that they chose the capital and Boston, you know, which yeah. is one of the most kind of central to America cities mm-hmm. and like the foundation thereof and historical cities. You'd be up there with like Philadelphia and things right. of that nature. But yeah, I mean, so. even like the Minutemen are named after. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've got the Minutemen who are effectively police. You've got you know the railroad who again very much just the underground railroad. It. I mean, even just, I mean, you meet Hancock the ghoul, who is, he's literally styled himself after John Hancock. He wears, like, revolutionary clothes and stuff. It's, and, you know, some of that's just like, oh, yeah, it's Boston. They love American history in Boston. But it, I don't I think it's a, it was really well done. And just something I wanted to at least take some time to go in and say, whatever issues I I had with this game, there were a lot of things that I was very impressed by. Some technical gameplay, but narratively, this was, this was something that I thought was really cool and really well done and something that, I've not seen a lot of other people talking about. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm making it all up. I no, don't you, think I am. Though. If you max out your relationship with Deacon, also, and you have that kind of, like, last personal conversation with him, then he does talk about, like, his past where he was a bigot and he didn't, like, sense and stuff. And mm. it's very much, like, it, sound, it very much supports what you were saying, kind yeah. of, like, this idea. With Deacon? with Deacon, yeah. Deacon talks about, like... Deacon, who is a synth? He says he's a synth, but I don't know if he really. I don't think he really is. I That's think he was true. lying because he he's lies a liar. About a lot of stuff. I didn't. And get... I've seen him sleeping, and since Nick doesn't sleep, since don't sleep, and I've seen him sleeping. Oh. Because that's something I I didn't get super far. I got maybe halfway through his relationship again because it was just like, oh well, I need to start doing institute quests, so I'm not going to take Deacon because it would just be like every step Deacon stares at you with disappointment. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's a fun thing about Deacon, right? You never know when he's really, because maybe that last conversation was also a lie. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's knows? Deacon. Yeah. Um, he yeah, fucks with you. It's actually kind of great. great. Yeah. His recall yeah. code thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you finally have to just tell him that like, so he'll shut up about it. Every time you try to talk to him, you're like, yeah, I read it. And here's what it says. And then he's just totally like pranking you. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, Interesting. He's just like, Oh no, don't read it. And then, it's like got you, like he's like trying to teach you a lesson. It's just like that's so cool. So yeah, Deacon's fun, but yeah, he talks about like how in the past he like it's like he and some other people were just like bigots and they hated synths and like they killed the synth once, but then he wasn't sure whether it really was a synth. It might have just been a person, and like he had a, he had another his backstory in some ways is similar to McCree's where he was like I had a wife and she died. I don't know. Like everyone has dead wives in this. <laughs> Which is like I don't know. Which reminds me of Boone, Craig Boone in a uh, Fallout New Vegas, right? Where his oh god, that's a spoiler for that. Whatever, no, it's not a spoiler. I'm Everyone so knows. Old. Yeah, it's whatever. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But I don't know. I feel like we should move away. I mean, it's a little bit of a cliche, right? The yeah. whole like 
Well, because yeah. it's the motivation for so many characters, like even Kellogg, right? Yeah. It's like his family gets killed, so he becomes a hardened mercenary. Yeah. It's like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, even, like, the protagonist, like, right, spouse gets killed. Right. Yeah. So now it's... Although, like, again, one of the little bit of a narrative gaps there is, like, your spouse dies before your eyes, and then you don't really, like, you can say stuff about that to other people, but, like, not... You don't seem to be that phased, honestly. It's like... And you never did anything about it. Yeah. Well, you kind of hunt well, down you... Kelly. It... Well, yeah, but it's, like, the idea that, like, like you never... Like, you just leave them there. Yeah. I'd like to bury my husband, please. Right? Yeah. yeah. During the Kellogg chapter, you can at least, like, really focus on, like, I'm doing this to get vengeance for Yeah, that I definitely person. went that route. But, yeah, that's about as much as it is. I mean, it's like what you were saying earlier. That whole, like, Sean and spouse hunt storyline really fizzles out. And I don't know if it's the suggestions that, like... Yeah, everyone else is just kind of humoring you. They don't actually care. They have, like, bigger problems. <laughs> I kind of love that. It's all I can think even about. Even Nick is just like, okay. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing where, and even then, though, I think the only, like, rationalization I can give to why you seem to not care that much about your spouse is that you're so, like, just shell-shocked. You're just like, oh, I got to find Sean. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know how to deal with this. Holy shit, I'm way, like, in the future, blah, blah, blah. I got to find Sean. I got to do something about this. Sean. But, Sean. Um, yeah, yeah. Sean. Press circle to Sean. <laughs> but it, it's one of those other weird things, though, where that's also my rationalization, though, for why you come out and you're going around. And it's just like, I'm looking for a baby boy. And it's like, you were in cryo for God knows how long. For all you know, like, they woke you up 10 years into you being in cryo. And Sean's, like, dead and gone just of old age at this point. And it's like, how do you know you're looking for a baby? Like, is there an option? Like, there were several times where I was like, Oh, I'm looking for, it's like, I'm looking for a baby boy. Like, I'm looking for my baby son, or I'm looking for, like, Sean. And then so I'm like, oh, I'll pick that one, because, like, maybe that's the trick, is he's not a baby anymore. So I'm looking for Sean, and he's like, I'm looking for Sean. He's a baby. I was like, <laughs> god damn it. Everybody was like, okay, baby. All right, let's do this. Look for me. Yeah, but it's just one of those weird things. Like, clearly, because it's meant to be the, the twist. It's like, oh, yeah, he's not a baby anymore. It's like, no, yeah, I kind of figured that, because then I was frozen again for who knows how long. Yeah. Like, yeah. I... I don't know, that was really weird. I was glad that that one at least kind of fizzled out. But at the same time, yeah, no, it's exactly what you're saying, where it's, it really feels like that plot line, that plot line really dies out end of Act 1, middle of Act 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, again, I think if I, if I had to choose one single narrative thing that bothers me the most, it's not being able to tell someone, Sean is a director, I don't know how to deal with yeah. life now i need to process this with somebody and you were like important to me and, yeah yeah and it's like the fact you don't even have the dialogue option with anyone yeah and it just doesn't make any sense it is a bit weird it's like the main thing that's like this like the catalyst for the entire story and then yeah. it's like no one everyone's like oh i forgot you had a son oh who's this little synth child you have with you suddenly yeah surprise uh, i am very eager to find out what the dlc is gonna look like yeah yeah it'll be fun I want I want it, a but... Fallout game with like post main story DLC, like like main story DLC that happens after like right an epilogue yeah. or like mm-hmm. something because all the DLC we've gotten for the Fallout games in the past has just been like ancillary stuff. Alien spaceship crash. Right. And then what was the other one? There's something with having to I can't remember. It's been a really long time. Yeah, More I mean, Brotherhood it, it was like stuff. you know Point Lookout, which is just like weird horror place in Fallout Three. Yeah, but I like Maine or something, right? Yeah. I feel like legitimately traumatized by the end of that main storyline i had a brotherhood of steel <laughs> nightmare 
the yeah. night before I finished the main story, where it, cause it was it was after I had had to kill Dance, and I just had this like really bad dream about like having to kill Brotherhood people and feeling really awful about it. And I don't know if DLC wise, I wish there would be something a little bit with like I guess with a synth Sean, because I mean if you're gonna bring him in, yeah, like fucking have him there, fucking like really do yeah. something with that because I think they probably will because he survives both. Yeah, if, as long as you don't choose to like leave. That's him true. There. At the very end, you can just be like, "No, I'm You're done not with my you. son." Yeah, which I mean, not an awful reaction. Yeah. So we do we have any closing remarks? We definitely went a bit long for this episode. Uh, I think even post editing, it's going to be a bit long. But it's long game. Yeah, yeah, long game, <laughs> long episode. Um, I mean, there's so much to be said about it, really, and we'll talk about it. We'll revisit it again, obviously, in the next episode when we talk about all three of the kind of topic or titles we discussed yeah for Raygun gothic we'll definitely come back more to the the aesthetic and how that plays into fallout and all the things that we discussed but yeah there's just so much just in the game just by sheer by sheer density of content yeah this game is enormous so yeah and i mean there's a million things that we i think didn't even get to and i would say even a million more that we didn't even know we didn't get to so but yeah, yeah, with with that said, any any closing remarks? Um, the art book for Fallout Four is amazing. I would say it's like the the concept art's really beautiful. So if you like video game art, I definitely recommend taking a look at that. Cool. All right, Justin, anything for me? No, oh, sorry. <laughs> I know I'm like the person who won't shut up this episode, but the soundtrack. In, I think his name is Inan Zur. He does the music for Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2, and he also did the music for Fallout 3. Uh, he's an incredible composer. Uh, the music I, the music for Fallout 4 is my favorite you know, music for many of the Fallout games so far. I think it just hits the emotional notes perfectly. Like that kind of like very – that wasteland feel of like there's a great expanse and you're like not sure what necessarily you're looking for or how you're going to like get there. Right. And then also – with um the radio stations obviously Diamond City News Diamond City not got Galaxy News Radio and Gal- <laughs> and uh, Diamond City Radio mixed up but the uh the music again there's some of the old music from Fallout 3 that used Fallout 3 in this and then a bunch of new stuff yep. and by new I mean just other old stuff and then some originals made for this game but the music is a really fun part of the game and mm-hmm. so if you're not listening to diamond city radio at all i suggest like turning it on just when you're you know even just for travis yeah it's travis is great he's <laughs> i like him more when he's like nervous mess oh yeah he's like we're all gonna die and it's just <laughs> the best it's maybe one of my favorite he's my things. favorite radio dj we've had in any fallout game so yeah. far and they've all been really good oh my god travis is the best i kind of wish i never completed confidence man just so i could keep him a complete mess <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. So that said, yeah. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Definitely remember uh, two weeks from now our theme episode for Raygun Gothic, where we're going to circle back to Fallout. We're going to come back to Gernsbeck Continuum. We're going to come back to Radiance. We're going to come back to Zathura. It should be a lot of fun. And then two weeks after that, we're going to be starting our next set with replay. And until then, thank you so much for listening.